Hey, I'm Paige Smith, the associate producer of Film Formally, and I'm hosting today's episode. I'm going to talk about the movie 8th Grade and its depictions of the internet with my friends and guests, Bronwyn Henderson and Brietta Stewart. Welcome to Film Formally! Welcome to the page special of Film Formerly, everyone. Very exciting. I know you've all been waiting. For the first ever page special of Film Formerly, I have brought on two of my best friends, Brietta Stewart and Bronwyn Henderson. They both are friends from my childhood and surprisingly, both also have expertise and experience in the world of film. Brietta went to the University of Toronto and one of her majors was in film studies. And Bronwyn Henderson, uh, she went to UBC here in Canada in BC and she studied acting. So we all have a different approach to this. I, if you don't know, went to school for film productions. And in addition to that, because we're talking about this movie, Eighth Grade, we were all friends in eighth grade. So we can all really touch upon what it was like to be a 13-year-old girl. I like how you're like, she's super smart. I'm like, okay, yeah. I wouldn't have said that. So sweet. Yeah, yeah where's my superlatives? It's <laughs> like... Oh, Bronwyn, 10 out of 10, babe. Like, (laughs) an absolute smoke show. (laughs) Today's episode, like I said earlier, we're going to talk about Bo Burnham's eighth grade and how he represents the internet on screen. So how he photographs and represents texting, social media apps, browsing in general, and the repercussions of that representation and how that gets across this unique realism or maybe not unique but this like very very visceral realism of being in eighth grade and being a girl in eighth grade what are your guys's first thoughts on that what really struck me this time watching it was like the strength of perspective which i guess is what we're all really interested in in you know the perspective of a perspective of a 13 year old girl especially in 2017 2018 you really were placed into her shoes rather than just for, you know, plot's sake, seeing what she's seeing or kind of communication she's having. It's really like trying to evoke the same feelings that she's having looking at Instagram as we're watching her look at Instagram. When we were 13, we didn't have, like we weren't scrolling through Instagram and things like that, but Mm -hmm. yet I still watch her looking at those things. And I I remember those feelings from that age. Yeah, and I think also just even like, just being a human in 2018, you can at least connect to that social media hole that we fall into a little bit. And then also that memory of 13, it's like you're like, you can kind of put those together, if that makes sense. It's not only that she's looking on her phone, it's that we get to see what inspires her and influences her and her reactions of using the internet. And I think that all of those things go together. And usually when you see text messaging, in film, it's more just to communicate an idea, but this was to communicate a feeling and a whole perspective of her of her life. And it makes sense when you see all these reaction shots of how she's, you know, how she's using her phone and like how that goes into her day to day life. And for us, we like because we're technically millennials and not Gen Z, and this is more of a Gen Z film. I'm very intrigued with how Gen Zs use the internet now. Yes. Um, 
So I think it's, I think it's kind of enlightening in a sense too, because like, I have no idea. I like, there's one part in the film where she says she got Snapchat in grade five. And that's a little bit like, that's so outside of our understanding of using Snapchat in general. Like mm-hmm. we, we were in grade five where we didn't have phones. So there's quite a few different moments that we get the internet. It's almost throughout the whole film, really, that she's on her phone. There's very few scenes that there is no screen at all. And they actually, they really stand out those scenes, but the scenes I'm thinking of right now are those really standout montage scenes where she is interacting with the screens uh, one-on-one. I think it's very interesting how the film represents the internet. If we just go back to basics, what it's doing, if you haven't seen the film, is it's all done in practicals. So they literally just in camera are filming screens. You know, they're filming her on her laptop. They're filming her on her phone, inserts or over the shoulder. Well, actually, I don't know if there's over the shoulders very often at all, but it's inserts or, you know, her reaction shot with the screen being the primary source of lighting. Everything is done practically. There's no kind of in post-production adding text on screen to represent her text messages or adding images added on in post that represent her feed or something like that. It's interesting because when you look at the different kinds of representations of screen that's out there, there's kind of this divide between practical And then these new sorts of experimentations in how to represent the internet. And there's lots of different examples of that. There's a whole world in especially Japanese animation where they've explored how to uh, represent the internet in some really interesting ways. And then there's things like like the TV show like Sherlock is really um, got a lot of that. Or a film that reminds me of this because it's also uh, it's a bit older, but it's about teenagehood and uh, messaging and everything is The Fault in Our Stars. And that is also done with that in post-production style. And there's so many different variations of that. But just within the world of practicals, you know, if we just even delve into what eighth grade does, it's so specific not what you usually see usually you see a practical you see an insert shot and that's kind of all all it is if we're just doing practicals but what I love about eighth grade is it really explores and tries to like like especially in the montage scenes like evoke that feeling of being on the internet and scrolling for for a like a time that you 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 lose time almost like you don't even know how long. And I think that's kind of what you guys are saying when you're talking about that feeling instead of like plot driven, it's, it's about like evoking something. And I think partly how the film is effective in that way is that one of the earlier sequences, the one I forget what the actual name of the song is, but everyone calls it sail away. Cause it's like sail away. Sail away. <laughs> and like In that sequence, they use superimpositions in like such an effective way and it feels like she's almost morphing into the 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 text and the images that she's scrolling through because we're seeing both the action of the phone and the reaction of her looking at the phone. When you say morphing into images, if I'm thinking of the correct scene that you're speaking of, um, it actually reminded me of when you're looking at a blank black screen on your laptop or iPad or whatever surface you're using. And um, I think people talk about when like the Netflix show ends and then you can see yourself on the screen. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of. It's like a moment of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And it kind of does that in the film when they uh, superimpose, if that's the right technical term, uh, Kayla over the images of the internet because you kind of get dragged back into like the idea that she's there as well as maybe her. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's what they're going for, but it's what it reminded me of. 
Um, and it's like a very unique, like you have to be in that like headspace that like, like meditative rhythmic headspace to like be drawn out of it. And that's what the sail away song totally did. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's like, there's that. And then that scene ends, I think with her dad walking in and her like throwing her phone across the room, (laughs) immediately like out of the zone. Yeah, and one thing I have you guys heard of it's a few years old now, but the video series called Every Frame a Painting. No, uh, it was like a viral video series of like film essays. It's kind of like became a huge influence on good film essays, basically. And it's a Vancouver based guy that makes it, um, Tony Zhao. In research for this, I found a video he did on like basically like how we represent specifically texting in film. He actually was an advocate for these more experimental like or like new forms of representation like the like Sherlock Holmes style of like here's the text post production put on screen as a separate graphic and he kind of said like with like this was just his opinion but what he said was when you have an insert shot of a phone it feels like the audience just has a collective yawn that's how you put it and I thought about that and I was like yeah sometimes that is the feeling but somehow it's not that with eighth grade and and, uh, and th- this video essay was made long before eighth grade came out, but I was just thinking like, why is that? And, and one of the things he talks about is, um, that element I was saying before of reaction and action and how, when you have an insert, you're basically having a shot reverse shot of like, here's the text message. We need the audience like quite a bit of time to make sure they can read it and then cut back to person. Oh, there's a reaction. But what is so cool about eighth grade partly is that it has those superimpositions in so many um, instances. So we are seeing reaction and action at the same time. And somehow that's actually what the internet feels like. We don't, we don't go on Instagram and analyze every photo for 10 seconds and then scroll. Like we're scrolling fast. And I imagine people that are younger are even faster, you know, you, you can kind of see that in the, in the film. So that compression of reaction and action, I think is uh, partly what gets across that feeling of realism of what it's like to be on your phone and what it's like to explore the internet in that way. I think that they also used, and this isn't unique to eighth grade, but they use a pause technique and like they kind of don't need the reaction shot. Like just like by the way she hesitates with her finger to press a button or like deletes a sentence that she's already typed out. Like you understand what she's thinking through that. Whereas like the internet usually in other films is just is a plot device. In this, it really feels like an actionable character. Like the internet has its own motivations and its own like effect on Kayla and you know how we engage with the internet and how we even like scroll with our thumbs has it's a symbiotic relationship. And I think we're finding out even more so in, in, you know, data collecting and things like that. Like the, <laughs> the internet is, is a, an alive force that communicates with people and actually it gives information, but it also receives information. It's really unique to see that kind of like, she's having like a relationship with the internet, which the only other film I can really think of that did that uh, would be maybe her where he has oh, yeah. a relationship with AI. And in a way this is, really similar like Kayla's relationship with the internet flows and changes in a way that she would have a relationship with another character yeah which is and it's an emotional intense relationship and it's really effective with how he like evokes those feelings that the internet has for her and she has for the internet yeah so I think that's what brings people really into it and makes you care about Kayla's relationship with her phone instead of just like a static image of a text conversation it's like it's a complex complex 
symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. I really like that analysis, especially because kind of Kayla's whole goal through her uh, photo booth YouTube posts is to like make friends is like kind of the gist of it. But then to talk about the internet as this friend or relationship that she can have, it all kind of clicks because like her dad, who's basically her only friend, she's ignoring him. And Mm -hmm. so it kind of is like counter to what she's going for. But I mean, obviously she needs friends her own own age and everything, but Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, this whole movie, I was just like, you be nice to her. Like every new character, I'm like, don't you dare be mean to this girl. Like I will lose my mind. (laughs) I relate so much to the dad when he's like, you're just so cool. I'm like, you're so cool. (laughs) Yeah. All those scenes are so lovely. And like um, what stood out to me in those scenes and just like how they were shot, like most of the the film is very like, it's personal with Kayla. We're either looking at Kayla or we're looking at what Kayla's looking at. But in all the scenes with her dad, it's in a wide. So you can see the entire conversation interaction. Then all of a sudden we're outside of this relationship. And it really felt like any scene with the dad felt like, oh, this is the snapshot of what parents are seeing with their kids. <laughs> like, Because <laughs> like, when you're 13, you're, you have this whole world in your head. And like every little thing, you know, as you see with Kayla, like when... Um, her dad is driving her to the mall and she's like, can you not sit like that? Like, <laughs> like you're ruining this drive. And then as a parent, you'd be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But then, <laughs> so then the things of the dad feel like you get that perspective of like just entering this girl's life and not knowing what's happening. But then at the same time, yeah. you're given the context for Kayla and you understand why she's, you know, a little snippy, a little moody, but um, yeah. So- because the dad, like you can, you can see so many times throughout the film that he is, uh, he is being so caring, and that anytime she tells him something, he's like, "I have to remember that." You know what I mean? Like, oh, she doesn't like when I sit that way. Oh, she doesn't like bananas. I wrote it down, Kayla. Like, well, I have a note. Yeah. But she, he didn't just write it down. He said, "I have an app for that," which <laughs> yeah. shows, which shows that he's literally trying to use the internet to like understand her better and like there's ways that yeah it's like but like that's like the only point I made about that um (laughs) (laughs) I was just like she he's trying to like yeah and like parents use the internet like I don't know it's it's a different world just like just like how it is probably for Kayla so it's like when your parents get well I don't know if you feel the same but when my dad got Facebook it was like a whole whole thing (laughs) Facebook will never be the same for me now for any dad on Facebook (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly I was watching some behind the scenes things on the film and it was so interesting Um, so it was like a the director Bo was explaining how he really wanted to get across realistic now like like when they made it 2017 like what is it like to be in eighth grade in 2017 so the actress elsie fisher she had just finished eighth grade when they filmed this so they filmed this in the summer after she had finished eighth grade and he says bo burnham says that it was like a collaboration like he felt like she was a huge collaborator on the project and he said that so many different departments in the film you know the production design the cinematography all these different departments in the film he said they constantly had to match what this actress was bringing in the department of realism and i think that's partly what makes it so easy to like fall into the world nothing stands out as like oh that feels off 
I think that's the most important, if you're going for a realism perspective, that's probably the most important, like, thing you can do is to collaborate with the subjects who are actually in school or, like, going through youth, basically. <laughs> going through youth. <laughs> going through youth. Children. <laughs> yeah, children. So children. <laughs> People going through youth? Children. <laughs> Experiencing the horrors of youth. <laughs> Um, But there's not very many shows or movies that do that. And like, as soon as you do, and as soon as you said that page, I'm like, that makes sense. That makes total sense to me. And like, writing those little, little tidbits into like the film, like that makes like a world of difference. And like, it's something that I don't understand. And I'm probably what, like 10 years older than this girl. So Basically, what happens is they're having this like school shooter uh, rehearsal or I guess drill. Drill. And yeah, drill. Well, I don't know. It didn't happen in Canada. Like it's so weird thing in America now. It's terrifying. And so these kids are like under their desks waiting. And like, again, so weird. When we were kids, no one really had like phones like that at that age. So, like, instead of just having to sit under your desk and like wait, everyone immediately is like on their phone. So, she is found out like this is how I'm gonna do this uh like so she crawls over to him and you know she's trying to like play coy a little bit and like you know get him to ask her and he doesn't look away from his phone at all he never even like he barely even speaks to her as soon as she mentions nudes or whatever he like becomes like an animal and like turns to her and is like what tell me everything da 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 like And it's just so interesting to me that like the phone, which is like one of the only lighting sources in this scene is just finally like he looks away. It's like, like this monolith, like 2001 space odyssey or something. And he just find like the only thing that can get him to not look is like, Oh, 13 year old naked body. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, there is like a lot of um, like what pulls them away from the internet. It's like between the digital and the physical, like there's that moment. And then there's also the moment where she cuts her finger on the phone yeah, and that I love takes them. her out of that um which yeah is super super cool and it's great to like it brings her back to like herself and now and like her actual like body rather than mm-hmm. I love that moment especially because she, she like not only cuts her finger but then she starts to like suck her thumb which is like you know an immature kind of thing to do and then mm-hmm. Aiden walks in on her and like I don't know what she's like embarrassed about but i'm sure she's like shit i'm sucking my thumb sucking <laughs> like, my thumb like a baby yeah. <laughs> her phone breaks pretty early on in the movie and it breaks because her dad walks in on her on her phone and what she's she was um she was just on aiden's instagram i guess and she's like practicing kissing her hand and she's so embarrassed she like throws her phone across the room and then it's shattered and and it I think it's such a, like just the shattering in general is such an effective technique because it's like this like um, mesh screen. We can't fully fall into this internet world. We're constantly aware of the apparatus uh, because there is this physical like divide now, like, you know, like we, we, every image is distorted on the phone and it's so hard to read. And like one of the first shots we see with the, the crack in it is this message we've already seen her fixating on of this popular girl finally inviting her to something and now we're seeing it through the crack and it you can barely read it and we can just understand it because we've already read this message and it's constantly like that and and she kind of throughout the film just doesn't deal with the broken phone like obviously like like her thumb bleeds she never like tells her dad or tries to get it replaced like she just is still trying to like fall into that world but she can't anymore I, i don't know something just is really like works with the themes of the film in that way as well 
and also I, I think it just makes the audience more aware of like like I don't know like uh, like I'm watching a movie huh? what am I falling for I don't know I, I love that so <laughs> plus it's pretty realistic to like give a 13 year old a phone and then they smash their screen <laughs> yeah so true <laughs> the character in the movie has a youtube channel that no one watches and she basically is kind of like trying to use it to make friends maybe just trying to like i i kind of wrote down like it's almost like a public diary like she's trying to like process what she's going through and everything but also there's these moments in the film where she is exploring youtube so yeah at one point i, I think it's after this aiden scene where mm-hmm. something about like him wanting a blowjob yeah. comes up and she so, said i'm very good at them and then crawls away <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah. She's like, yes, I'm very good at those, and I, I've done that before. And then we see her like at home, like googling how to give a good blowjob, and like, uh, it's so cringy and real, and ah, and like I, we see her selecting which video to choose, which I found interesting because I usually always pick the top video, but she kind of scrolls, and I think she kind of like picks one that like looks a little bit more like. Oh, this is approachable. Yeah. And, like a friendly <laughs> lady, you know. And it was perfect to like ha- not have sound for this moment yes. and to just like watch her like listen and be like totally repulsed. Because like when you do learn these things at a young age, you do want to slam your screen closed and be like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it also gets across like this this new world of how children are learning about that kind of stuff. They, they are self well, self-teaching in some way, like they're, they're discovering it through the internet themselves. You know, it's not something that, you know, they're learning even from their peers or from their parents or anything. It's, it's like, oh, I'm, I have access to this giant resource of the internet. I can look up anything I want, you know, and like, and also, um, I'm a sex nerd and I've recognized a bunch of those YouTube channels. So those are real. Like, yeah. <laughs> like those those videos are legit. Like those were not fake. Yeah, like, like they actually did the search and picked a video. Yeah. 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 I don't know if the one they actually play is real, but like all, a bunch of the searches I was like, oh yeah, I know that channel. I know that channel. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I did find it really interesting that in that scene you can't hear the video because I think Because I had made a note up to that point saying like, oh, it's so cool that we always hear what she hears and we always see what she sees. Like there's a scene with her and her dad at the dinner table and she's listening to music and you're like in that with her and like you really feel like you're scrolling through your phone and then it cuts out with uh, interruptions from the dad. But then, yeah, and you don't even realize it's like you. It's it's revealed that it's diegetic, that it's like music she's listening to. Yeah. So then bringing it out, not hearing what she's hearing, I think it can it can evoke like maybe the way that she might be drowning out what she's hearing, like it's all just mush, like she's not really hearing it. She's just like, oh my God. But then at the same time, like as an adult watching it is like, oh, I'm watching a child watch a video about a blowjob. Like, like a woman holding a dildo. Yeah. And being like, oh, he, this specific part of the penis. Da, 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 yeah, da. so it's like, it kind of, it brings, like the scenes in the wide with, um, with her and her dad, it kind of brings you outside of her experience and then you kind of, watch it more objectively so it's interesting the moments that like you get pulled out of her experience and it it becomes more objective and that that was a moment that he chose to do that which I thought was really cool well and I wouldn't say objective because I think her truth is still yeah (laughs) uh still like like objective makes it seem like oh this is the truth and hers is subjective but like it's almost like we we can relate to it as like an adult if that makes sense yeah or yeah it's more it's less we're in her shoes and we're more like in our own shoes watching it yeah 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 and it's um I mean this is kind of different but uh 
we all watched this as adults. Like we were all adults when this came out and, and watched it this year as adults. And it's actually very interesting because in America, this film is an American film. It's rated R um, because of some of the like, um, I guess like sex stuff that's in it, I think is the main reason. Like maybe this scene and then there's another scene that happens later. And it was very weird to me when I found that out because that means eighth graders can't watch this yeah, movie. That's too in America. bad. That's that's what that's too bad. That's a shame. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, because <laughs> I think it's it's a great movie to watch as an adult. Like, and I think those scenes like you're describing, Roman. Like, I never thought of it that way, but I think that's exactly what that kind of is. Is like a different way to connect into that world. And it's like as an adult, I feel like oh, that's the adult perspective almost. But I feel like as an eighth grader, I would love to hear what eighth graders think of this movie. Especially people that like when it first came out were in eighth grade. I wonder if they thought it was realistic and if if they connected to it in that way. And actually, it was really cool. They apparently at the the opening day somehow they got a bunch of because different cinemas have different policies, right? So he got a bunch of cinemas, uh, one in every state in America, to play the film um, and let anyone in. And so it was like all eighth graders that got in and it was like so cute. You could see all the photos and they're all like there, like super excited to be there. Yay. And like it's probably like one of the only ways. And and even like my sister-in-law is like was before the pandemic was like teaching in class um this media studies course and she wanted something kind of about internet culture. And I was like, oh, oh, and like she teaches like eighth grade, ninth grade. And I was like, oh, show them this movie. They will love it. And she's like, I'm not allowed because it's the rating, like the school won't allow it. Like, isn't that crazy? That is like, crazy. It's what the kids are experiencing, but you're not allowed to show them what they're experiencing. Yeah. It's like the only other thing that I've found really like talks to kids like that. Although I would be again, interested to hear from an actual kid. Um, but there's a, a cartoon series called Big Mouth on Netflix and it's about puberty and it's like raunchy. And like they're swearing, yeah. it's like it's the same kind of perspective where it's it really meets the kids where they're at. Um, so I wonder if kids watch that and are like, oh yay, finally, like it's I'm that, not being talked down to, or I'm not, um, mm. you know, it's not like I'm watching adult content. It's like mm-hmm. really meeting them with what they're experiencing mm-hmm. now. The rating system especially fails kids because like we just said, they all have phones, they have access to internet. It's very likely that people are Googling how to, you know, perform oral sex on their partners. So it makes no sense that a rating system should justify what's being shown in school because like kids are exposed to what they search for. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to yeah. find naked bodies on the internet and there's no nudity in eighth grade. And there's actually like very minimal, if any, swearing to my mm-hmm. recollection. Yeah. yeah. So... I think it would be a perfect show to put on for like a sex ed class. We watched Mean Girls in sex ed. Like, mm-hmm. do you remember really? that? Yeah, we watched Mean Girls. So I don't see why eighth grade wouldn't be shown. Yeah, I remember that <laughs> class too. There was they split the boys and girls, and I remember she asked the class what we found attractive about the opposite sex, <gasps> and then we had to see the list, and it was harrowing. I tell people this, Roman, and they don't believe me. And I'm like, I have a whole class of people to support. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and I guess we didn't mention this, but like near the beginning of the film, it kind of like sets you up that this film is going to have quite a bit of like early adolescent sexuality, like because the first one of the first classes she's in is like them presenting like an old school video of sex ed and yeah. it's like this lady and you slowly like zoom out to reveal it's like, oh, it's a bunch of kids watching this and like 
oh my god and then like one of her classmates is like masturbating <laughs> under his shirt to like his phone in the middle of this video yeah. and like I don't know it's just something about that contrast again of like okay well this is how we think children should be taught this is what we think is appropriate like you were saying Brianna almost like it's so weird because kids have access to whatever they want but in reality this kid is already watching porn this kid mm-hmm. is already like feels comfortable enough watching porn that he can he can do it under his shirt in class yeah like- <laughs> no, and that's why kids should be able to watch eighth grade because if they're not getting information that's relevant to what they're actually seeing like mm-hmm. it's it's just not going to register at all like yeah you yeah. have to meet kids where you're at um like it's definitely interesting watching this too um i guess for context my mother works in schools she's a district principal and she was a principal at a middle school before she worked at the district and you know the things she was telling me about kids now mostly in relation to you know social media and things like that like i think we were sexualized a lot when we were in middle school but it's it's a lot more now and it's um mm. and i don't think the current sex education curriculum really has a strong media literacy um component to it um mm-hmm. like in a similar way it doesn't have a good maybe consent education component to it mm-hmm. um but uh like there's situations that are coming up like even at the district level that my mom's dealing with that are directly tied to social media and sharing images and things like that and i think it it would be good to sit everyone down and give the same information about these things and really you know face reality and sit in front of those 13 year olds being like i know you've seen porn like yeah like (laughs) well that's so that's so interesting like thinking about the media literacy part of it because like that is i guess so much a part of the internet for kids is is things tied to sex and desire and like and all that you know like you know if it's not directly like explicit sex it's like being sexualized as kids because it's it's almost like the director said that he thought so many of the extras and the actors in general the child actors were so good at being natural is because they're so used to self uh self-documenting like they're so used to cameras being on them Mm. and so used to like being filmed and being represented and that's just so interesting to me because it's like oh wow like that's that's such a weird state for you to be like that's my norm and and then as you're growing up and like wanting to connect and be find friends and everything like that, like through adolescence, like it's like inherently tied up with sexuality. So like, that's, I don't know, that's very interesting. Like that kids should learn media literacy in, in connection to like sex ed. Like I never thought of it that way, but that totally, yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) 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 Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm tying that to a performance in, in the, in the film. Um, <laughs> like when you're talking about how um, he thought the actors were more natural because they're usually in front of cameras I found it really interesting performance wise to watch Kayla you know when she's alone and the camera's on her versus when she's you know creating her videos and uh, you know the different personas that happen there like the awareness of the camera and what that does to the performance um, like private moments versus public moments uh, Mm. were really strong and interesting. And um, like that throughout the film, you could see her, you know, you just see her little videos as the video. Um, So then you get that performance, but 
I, I think it was the second to last video that she made that um, you don't see the video, you see her eyes above the laptop. So then you get that private performance while she's doing that public performance, which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, so it's the it's when she's like the most, I guess, honest and I guess the least performative that they're just showing her eyes. They're not showing her on the camera. I think like the YouTube channel that she makes, it's it's very interesting because it's almost like what I wrote down is like she's trying to like embody what she wants to be. And it's almost like, you know, that saying of like, if you smile, even when you're sad, your your actual feelings will follow. Like if you physically do, like make your body do something that you don't want to do, your feelings will follow. Or like if you act confident, even if you don't feel confident, the confidence will come, you know, the feeling will come. Fake it and till like you make it. Kind of, yeah, fake it till you make it basically. I feel like that's what she's doing. And it's actually interesting because there's a bunch of different kind of what she does is she'll have these kind of almost advice videos like, okay, here's how to be confident. Here's how to make friends or whatever they are. It's interesting because in the film, the way it's edited, often um, we'll see the scenario that has taught her that lesson. For example, like the confidence one, what actually happens, the order of events is that, you know, she goes to this pool party and she's like super nervous and like super not confident. And then at the end, she's like, I'm going to take a risk and like sing karaoke in front of all these kids. And, and then I, she felt good because she like did something that she was afraid of doing. And then, um, and then she goes home and makes this video being like, you got to like sometimes step out of your comfort zone and da, 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 da. But the way it plays in the film is that instead of us seeing the events in order, we actually hear the voiceover, like kind of telling her what to do. And then she goes and does it in the movie. And something about that really evokes again, that like fake it till you make it. Like it's like her, her inner monologue is almost telling her, okay, well, you got to act confident and you got to do this and you got to do that. And it kind of evokes that feeling of like what we do when we're anxious. It's almost like a second her, you know what I mean? Like the, the YouTube version is like the kind of cliche, like who she wants to be, but also like this little person on her shoulder being like, okay, you can do it, Kayla. Like <laughs> Her wanting friends was a little bit like, uh, I don't want to say diluted, but like she probably like equates having friends with like being popular on social media and like having like a huge YouTube following and like a lot of followers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, like, it kind of like translates a little bit too when she's like social interact. Like I know she probably has like deep anxiety and everything and like, but when she's actually speaking with people, like it, it's really hard to like tell if she's trying to like have a connection or it's just like kind of like going through the ropes of it. Yeah. And so like, I think like, and it's not like, I'm not trying to like diss her or anything, but she just probably (laughs) has like, well, I don't know. It's hard to make friends for sure, but she probably has like this like lost understanding of like what it actually means. And like, she probably equates the wrong things to like having friends and yeah, so like when she doesn't get the followers on YouTube and everything, that's obviously going to be cyclical. But one thing I remember was like the fake it till you make it thing was she was like walking into the house and like saying like she was the popular girl who like ended up being nice to the not popular mm-hmm. girl. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, she, I don't know, she's also like spinning this def- different narrative. And she like, she confesses in the end, like in her last YouTube video, she's like, I actually don't have friends. And that's great. But she like comes to terms and everything. But like in that moment, like, I like how she weaves the narrative into this happy ending. Like she actually like, mm-hmm. you know, like it makes it makes like the viewer really like the character too. Because you're like, okay, like she she wouldn't have done it the same way. Like she wants to give everyone a chance. She wants to give everyone a voice. But that's also an interesting thing when like we don't hear her singing karaoke. It might be a corny analogy, but it's interesting. Like, you know, that's what being 13 is. 
is like you're performing who you want to be until it happens. Like you fake it till you make it. Like that's really mm-hmm. what that age feels like. Um, mm. and it is, it's a very aspirational age. You're thinking about what am I going to be like as a teenager? What am I going to be like as an adult? I should start kind of acting that way. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, which I thought was really cool. Like the whole, um, her first video is about being yourself. Like this is how you be yourself. And that's, that's a, a nightmare situation when you're 13. Cause you're like, cause you're like, who am I? Who am I? <laughs> so it's cool watching the whole film be a journey of like, what is being yourself and Mm -hmm. is being yourself, you know, this aspirational person that you're putting on the internet. Is it, you know, the friendships you're making and kind of the things that um, like her dad was saying at the end, like, Oh no, I love you. Like you're a really cool kid already. And Mm -hmm. like, you were naturally going to be a cool kid, Um, which, Oh God, that that monologues. Um, (laughs) But just like, Oh, it was amazing that, just naturally you knew how to share, you knew how to be kind. Like you don't have to, you know, create a version of yourself to become like you're already that person. Yeah. Um, Which is a really cool journey to go through. And, you know, I wish someone eloquently put that when I was 13. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also like, but it's also that process of like, I think her, I think her YouTube self in a lot of ways, there is good elements as well, because her YouTube self, it's kind of like Brietta saying like, she has to learn what real friendship is. And she has to like, actually figure out like, are these things that I have listed as important, like make friends, like find a boyfriend, be popular or whatever, like, are these actually because who I am is also what do I want and what do I care about? So like, that's like, it's like her essence is always there, her kindness and her empathy. But then like, it's that, that second part of like, what's important to me. Mm -hmm. The other kind of element of that is like, we were talking about the fake it till you make it. Um, There's this extra layer of the YouTube channel itself is faking it till you make it. If that makes sense. Like there's like all these extra layers of that. (laughs) I love that. Like, it's interesting because, like, we're talking about realism and, like, like the authentic perspective in this. But then, like, the YouTube is so obviously, like, this, like, artificial part of it. But it still feels authentic because the whole gist of YouTube is it's authentic or it's not authentic. So, sorry, I said that really poorly. But you know what I mean. So, it's, like, almost <laughs> like this really, like, flip of it. So... Well, it's like YouTube's YouTube's pretending like to be authentic, but we've come to an age where we all realize it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like all the advice that she's giving on her YouTube is stuff that's very like like plain self advice kind of thing. Like when she does the putting yourself out there with the hand gestures. Also, one thing I'd like to mention about that is her dad actually was the one who said you need to put yourself out there. And I like how Aww. she like took that advice early on and it makes you feel at the end like she does really listen to him. Yeah. Um, but like mm-hmm. the putting yourself out there, like where does she come up with this? And like the Gucci thing, which, mm-hmm. which I don't know, like I don't even know yeah, where that originates had- from. But like, you know, that screen this little tick where she says like Gucci like all the time at the end of her videos and does a little okay sign. Yeah. yeah. I think that was cool in 2017 among the kids, which is we're ancient <laughs> or, so we don't know that, but I think it might have just been like made Gucci. up too. I think Gucci it was real. Just been made up. Gucci was real. Oh, was it? Yeah, Gucci was real cuz there was that and then there was the LeBron James that they keep saying and I remember I actually that. like wanted to interrupt Paige at the beginning being like, "Are you my mom? <laughs> you mom, LeBron James." <laughs> I I feel so old. I don't have any idea what that means. <laughs> like, even when you're saying it now, I'm like, they did what? Like what? In the assembly, in yeah. the assembly, the kids were like LeBron James, oh. yeah. And like throughout the even the um, school shooting drill, 
<laughs> he's like got the gun and stuff and he's shooting all the kids and he's like LeBron <laughs> okay that's the kind of stuff where they really did their research it seems yeah or they're just like you know hey kids what's something that you would yell at an assembly <laughs> yeah or they just like let them improvise or something yeah. <laughs> One thing we haven't really, I kind of mentioned a few times is uh, this idea of production design. And they do an amazing job at setting up the, you know, costumes and the, her room and the world and the school. Um, and it's, it's a, again, like there's a, one great detail, for example, is all around her mirror. She has like tons of sticky notes of like, kind of like things to boost her up, you know, and like, and the mirror even is kind of like, uh, like sister to the phone in a lot of ways in that, like, it's a reflection of her and everything. And then she's got all these like, kind of fake it till you make it things surrounding the mirror. But, um, but even aside from that, and, and also, sorry, and with the sticky notes, it's hilarious, because like half of them are like, like so childish and then half of them are like so adult and it's just again another perfect example of how weird 13 is but um but the thing i was going to talk about specifically with production design is this thing that we i didn't really think of as production design until like someone said it to me about this film is they had to make all these instagram accounts like the product mm -hmm. those are all made for this film there's hundreds of in-depth instagrams and like all these different um like like i don't know if there's other apps on the the movie i forget but like just that they had to make all these profiles and make them all these kids comment and like i just think like something about that it's it's like just like such a such a weird job can you imagine <laughs> like, like okay now you have to make all of these and like make it realistic and like these adults having to like research what how do kids do instagram and 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 uh, I think they just did such a good job with that. It feels so real. And um, it's because it's, it's, it's like this perfect balance of like people trying to make perfect lives and, and failing mm -hmm. like <laughs> constantly. And, and the, 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 the very small differences between like how a popular girl, like I forget that popular girl's name, but like how that kind of character she strives Kennedy. to be and wants to be. Kennedy, how she, how Kennedy, like she wants to be Kennedy slash be friends with Kennedy. Maybe that means the same thing and how perfect her representation of herself is on Instagram. And then Kayla's like attempt to that quote unquote perfection, you know, and, and those small little mishaps that happen. One reason I think the practicals is so, so effective in this film is because of the lighting. So they use the screens a ton as the primary source of lighting. So when she's alone in her room, there'll be this kind of like um, the, these uh, twinkle lights behind her and maybe a little bit of like ambience light. But the primary source that's lighting her, like the biggest lighting source, uh, like the brightest that is, is her phone or her computer. And when you're on a film set, just from a practical standpoint, if you're doing stuff like that, often you're faking it. Like there's, there's, I've shot films or like I've been on sets where they use a screen as the actual source. And often what they do is they just put a big white image on the screen. So it's like super bright and just like as bright as can be, they turn the brightness up on the device or they'll have like a little hidden light, like a little LED light or just like off camera, like something to enhance the lighting. 
But in this film, it is so clear, like maybe they're doing that a little bit, but it is so clear that like a huge portion of the lighting is from the device itself. And it's not just like a blank white screen because you can see the lighting flicker and change. Like as she's scrolling, the lighting is changed. Like colors are changing. Like the, the quality of like the brightness is changing. And, um, it just, it just feels so much more real because of that. Like I think subconsciously, because we're so used to having screens in everyday life, and the lighting effects of that, like, I think there's, at least for me, maybe it's because I'm a lighting nerd, maybe I'm the only one that would subconsciously notice this, but I, I feel like when you watch a movie and there isn't that, like, you know, if someone, if you know someone's scrolling or looking at lots of different things quickly, if the lighting is not matching that, it, it, it feels off. And I, I just feel like it's um, another, like, Gucci moment for why to use practicals is, like, the lighting is Gucci, you know? Like, <laughs> the lighting is it. Gucci. <laughs> title of that yeah lighting that's what we should call the episode <laughs> the lighting is Gucci in 8th grade there was a, a moment speaking of lighting even though this isn't to do with the screens but something that stood out and I think like with the screens there's a motif that usually you're just seeing the person's face and like the face is glowing with the screen uh, a scene that I thought was really irksome and cool was in the um, in the backseat of the car so she ends up getting a ride with these high school boys and and the girl and the the boy that is named Riley. Uh, he seems fine and normal and everything. No reason not to trust him in in uh, on on paper, other than him being a stranger. But like on paper, he seems fine. And her friend that she's newly made friend seems to trust him. So he ends up dropping everyone off, and now it's just him and Kayla in the car. And he starts being really weird and creepy, and he ends up pulling over his car and ends up. She's sitting in the back. He's sitting in the front. He comes back into the back seat with her and starts doing all these weird pressury things to try and um, to try and obviously do something sexual with her. He ends up doing truth or dare with her, and she's obviously so uncomfortable and doesn't want to do this, and so obviously just wants to go home. But you know, truth or dare, he ends up taking his shirt off and like asking her like, "Oh, what base have you gone to?" And da 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 da. And then he wants her to take her shirt off, and she refuses. And uh, you can only see her face in the streetlights, and he's lit from behind. And you can kind of only see like the whites of his eyes and he looks like this like monster almost. And you can't totally see his face, but like you can see a bit of him. And it, it was really like ominous and creepy. And it really struck me as like, you know, if you have a memory of something really intense and scary, like you, you wouldn't really remember his face. You would just kind of remember like that feeling and I thought like that was really really effective and that scene itself was really effective because as a 13 year old you know she's trying to fit in with this friend group she's trying to seem older so I can see her having that like gut feeling of like I don't want to participate I don't want to do this um and it is really like a hard line like if we're talking a lot about the balance between being a child and being an adult like there are moments where you know she'll she'll dip her toes in the water she'll have that ruse about all of her naked pictures and she'll you know look up blowjob videos but then like you know they're alone in the backseat of this car there are no phones or anything but yeah she's presented with this very real very scary moment Brahma, when you were talking about the lighting in that scene is it is true there are these kind of i would say secondary sources of the streetlights that are like backlighting them but what i would say is actually 
um, hitting the primary side that we're seeing is actually, you see it in the final shot of one of the final um, shots of the kind of moment is this little mini wide of the car. And you see that he has a GPS or maybe his phone attached um, right at the center in the front oh. seat. And it's just a big bright white light. And that's actually what's lighting um, the the little bit amount of his eyes that we see and, and the little bit amount of like his chest that we see and her as well. And like I said earlier in the podcast, there's almost phone, there's phones and screens in almost every scene. It's, it's very rare. The few that there isn't really stand out. And one that I noticed that she doesn't have her phone at all, like we don't even see it closed in her hand is the scene, a scene that shortly follows that car scene where, you know, it's lit by this almost like creepy singular light that we don't even know what's on the phone that's lighting this really scary car scene and then soon after she goes to the her backyard with her father and wants to burn the memories of uh, being in sixth grade because all her dreams and hopes are gone <laughs> and uh, and the way that scene is lit is with a fire like a big bon bonfire that she is um, experiencing with her dad and I just think like um, those scenes so greatly contrast each other in so many ways you know like um like adulthood versus like childhood and, you know, creepy, strange man, teenager and, and familiar father, but also just in the lighting, this completely unnatural light that's so associated with these internet personas and, and trying to be someone you're not. And then fire, just this natural, organic, flickering fire. And I just thought that the lighting really got across that really pivotal moment where she has that really important conversation with her dad and her dad tells her like you know you're a good kid yeah, you're already <laughs> a good kid yeah bye Brianna and Bronwyn thanks for joining me and thank you all for listening to this special episode of Film Formally we're calling it a page special on to the credits, I want to thank myself, the associate producer of Film Formerly, and my two teammates, Devin and Will, who are our usual hosts. If you like what you just heard, please consider giving us a rating and review on your podcast service of choice. You can also help the show by going to patreon.com slash filmformerly and finding us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at filmformerly. We'd also like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the indigenous nations of Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>